listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. I'm excited about um, Advent. I'm excited about Celebrating Christmas here in a few weeks. So uh, last week we started Advent, the new year for the church calendar, and we did our Hanging of the Green service. Uh, if you weren't here, you might want to watch that one. It's, it's quite beautiful. And last week we lit the peace candle. This week, second week of Advent, we've lit, we've lit the hope candle. And we've titled our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope. It's a line of, from that famous Christmas song, O Holy Night. And our Christmas series that follows this one is going to be The Weary World Rejoices. So a thrill of hope and the weary world rejoices. Anybody weary? It's okay, you can admit it. We've had a, we've had a tough time the last 18 months to two years. So it's a thrill of hope. This is good news that we have for you the next few weeks. And it ain't bad news that a weary world rejoices. I said it's not bad news that a weary world rejoices. Amen. Um, when we lit the hope candle, that we, we read from that passage from Paul's epistle to the Romans that says, you know, you will suffer. And, I, and I, that, that line, today's, today's sermon is called In Sin and Error Pining. And you might think, how could a sermon on in sin and error pining be about hope? Well, that's why you have to wait and see what it's about, because that line starts, long lay the world in sin and error pining. That is, tough times are normal times, and normal times are often tough times. We are no strangers to tough times. And as I was getting ready to say, when Paul wrote to Romans, he said, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then he says, but we'll suffer but he says our suffering will, will produce endurance and our endurance will produce hope and our hope will not be let down, right? It reminds me of another sage old teacher that said that uh, fear leads to hate and hate, or fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to the dark side. That was Yoda. Um, he's not maybe as religious as uh, Paul. That just, that, apparently that just blessed me and Alan Pena. <laughs> but thank you for letting me indulge the two of us on that one. So part of what Advent is, is a time of waiting. It's the time of anticipation. It's the time of expectation. You know, a baby is going to be born, but the baby's not born yet. And this is not just your typical time of waiting. This is not like you found out that, you know, we, we found out that the, a woman's pregnant and we're waiting nine months for the baby to come. They've been talking about this baby for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Isaiah, a hundred years before the exile, is prophesying about um, a voice being heard in the wilderness, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. And we learn about how he's going to be a suffering servant and how the spirit of the Lord was, would be upon him. Malachi, in our, in our Old Testament passage for today, 
is predicting um, not just the coming of the Lord, but is predicting the coming of the heralder of the Lord, right? One is going to come who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. That, that same passage then Luke uses and associates it with John the Baptist. Our call to worship this morning came from Luke, and it was Zechariah's. This is John the Baptist's dad. It was his song. Like, you might remember that story. Not unlike Abraham and Sarah, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, and there was a promise that they would have a child. And Zechariah's like, uh, have you seen my wife? I don't think that's going to happen. Like, we're not producing any kids. Again, it sounds a lot like the Abraham and Sarah story. And the angel of the Lord says, my name is Gabriel, and I speak the truth, and you will now be uh, mute until the baby's born. <laughs> kind of, maybe that sounds harsh. Could have been worse. He could have been struck dead. I guess to be struck mute and just for a certain period of time is not the end of the world. But then <laughs> when it comes time to name the baby, the baby's been born. They named the baby eight days after the baby's been born. The baby was born. They take the baby to the temple. The baby's going to be dedicated to the Lord. It's going to be circumcised, and they're going to name him. And so they said, what's the baby's name going to be? And Elizabeth said, it's going to be John. And they're like, well, there's nobody in your family named John. You can't, you can't name a baby John. So they looked at the, the dad and said, what are you going to name the baby? Well, the mom had just said, well, she's going to name the baby. But I guess they didn't believe her. So they looked at the dad. And what are you going to say? And he's like, he can't talk. He asked for a, a, a tablet to write the name down. And he wrote the name John. And then... His mouth was opened, and he blessed the Lord, and he talked about the way in which his son was going to be that long-fulfilled promise, that long-awaited promise. Saints, sometimes we're wanting God to do things in our lives, and we're kind of waiting around for God. But look. God's people wanted God to do something for them. They were in exile. Micah, the prophet that we read today, right, is right at the beginning, actually just before the exile. Is that right? Yeah. And so it was, again, hundreds of years. So imagine that. You get blessed and you wonder, what did I do? Well, there's a good chance it was nothing. Like, God made a promise to your grandmother's grandmother's grandmother that he would take care of her children and then you get blessed and you are the beneficiary of God's faithfulness to that woman whose name you don't even know. Like, that's, that's the way God works. One of my favorite poets is actually a Benedictine monk. He didn't start writing poetry until he was 78 uh, he just recently turned 100, and he's still writing poetry. One of my favorite poems of his is, Swift, Lord, You Are Not. <laughs> Don't you love that? Swift, Lord, You Are Not. I love it when a story is told in such a way that it reveals something that I didn't anticipate. It's called sequencing. I'm going I'm to read, read uh, an example uh, from you that I found. John was on his way to school. He was terribly worried about the math lesson. He thought he might not be able to control the class again today. 
it was not a normal part of a janitor's job. <laughs> so you didn't anticipate it, right? You make all these assumptions as to what the story is. You think he's a student, and then you realize, no, he's the teacher. Then you know, no, he's a substitute, right? And he's a substitute who's maybe a bit atypical. Like, I, I, love, I love those stories, and I think... This, this line from the song that we're going to be looking at today, long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. That too is a bit unexpected. There's another, there's another Jewish text. Um, some Christians on the planet include it in their Bibles, but the Protestants, Protestants don't. It's called the Wisdom of Solomon. And at the end of chapter 4, they're kind of going over, or Solomon's speaking about how, how the Jewish people would treat a righteous person if they were ever in their midst. It reminds me a bit of Plato, actually. In the Republic, Plato wrote, if there ever was a truly righteous person, we would crucify him. Isn't that interesting? Like Plato wrote that like hundreds of years before Jesus was born and lived and died and was resurrected. Like, he was just smart enough to realize the, the way in which we would treat such people. So, in the Wisdom of Solomon, it says this. The folks have realized that they have abused uh, the Lord's servant. They have abused the Lord's spokesperson, right? The prophets were never particularly very popular uh, people um, in the Jewish setting, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah... Ezekiel a little better, but most of the prophets were either beaten up or killed. <laughs> and so it says, like, this is at the, um, it's the first part of chapter 5 in the Wisdom of Solomon. Then shall the righteous man stand in great boldness before the face of such as have afflicted him. It's kind of the King James translation. So the righteous man is going to stand in the face of those who have afflicted him and those who made no account of his labors, when they see it, when those who have afflicted him see it, they shall be troubled with terrible fear and shall be amazed at the strangeness of his unexpected salvation. I love that. They'll be amazed at the strangeness of his unexpected salvation. Like, I wasn't expecting the, the righteous one who had been abused to be a savior. I was expecting the righteous one who'd been abused to be a judge or maybe even be an executioner, right? That's what they're expecting too. Like they got their hands caught in the proverbial cookie jar. They had mistreated God's anointed. And now that God's anointed was standing there, their expectation was, oh no, it's the, the day of the Lord has come and it ain't good for us except there is an unexpected salvation. That is how our God works. There's another kind of classic uh, story about uh, unexpected endings that talk about kind of sacrificial love. I'm going to ask Gretchen to come up and uh, share, share one of these with us. Della and Jim had been married for just a year. They had very little money, and their home was very modest. But what they lacked in monetary value, they made up for with love. Della had saved and saved to buy her husband a Christmas gift, but all the money she had to spend for her dear husband was a dollar and 87 cents. 
What on earth can I buy with that, she asked. Turning around, she saw her reflection in the mirror. Stepping up to the mirror, she stared at her reflection. Then all at once, Della knew what she must do. Quickly, she put on her coat and rushed out of the apartment. She ran, ran down the street to a shop where wigs were made. A sign read, we buy hair. Tell me, Della asked the shopwoman, how much will you pay me for my hair? Come step inside, said the shopwoman, and let me see it. Della stepped into the shop and took off her coat. Down fell her long, thick hair. My, my, said the shopwoman, I will pay you $20 for your lovely long hair. At last, with $20 in her pocket and the $1.87 from before, Della could go shopping. But what should she get her husband? The one thing Jim loved best in all the world was his golden pocket watch. It had come from his father and from his father's father before that. Sometimes, when Jim did not think anyone could see, he took out that golden watch, turned it over, rubbed it with care. Della knew this because she saw him do it. Then Della saw the perfect gift, a gold chain for his pocket watch. For $21, she bought the gold, gold watch chain. With that chain hooked up to Jim's pocket watch, the watch could not fall out of his pocket. And wouldn't Jim look grand when he took out that golden pocket watch and everyone could see the shiny gold chain, too? That night, when Jim came home, Della rushed up to give him the gift she had bought. Yet, when he saw his wife's short hair, a frown replaced his smile. Oh, don't worry, she cried. My hair grows back quickly. Then, before she could give Jim her gift, he handed his wife a small box. Della untied the ribbon and opened it. Inside were two beautiful hair combs. They were the very same ones she had admired many times in the store window. Now they were the gift her dear husband had given her. Then Della handed Jim her box. Now your turn, she said. When Jim opened it and saw the gold watch chain, he had to sit down. Don't you like it? said his wife. Of course I do, said Jim. But you see, I sold my watch so I could buy you the two hair combs. And I sold my hair to buy you the watch chain, said Della. Jim and Della had both given up the one thing they held most dear for the sake of the other. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Gretchen. Powerful song, powerful story, right? Like the, the, the depth of the love that they have for one another, the, the sacrifice. It's kind of a tragedy, though, right? I mean, I guess her hair will grow back. His watch, I guess, is gone. But that's what happens sometimes, right? That's, that is kind of what life is like. I want us to, to look again at the Malachi passage that Wayne read for us. It says this, See, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. Uh, I've heard Chris Green comment on this passage, our friend. And he says, that's kind of interesting. It, can, as it says next, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. It, it's a bit of an irony that's easily lost on us, I think. That we're going to prepare the way of the Lord? Exactly what, that, what is that supposed to do? Like, I mean, if, we, if we redid the road, if we um, leveled a mountain, if we raised a valley... How is that supposed to help God move, right? Our God is God. God doesn't need any help. God doesn't need anything to be prepared in his 
um, absence to, to whatever sense that God is ever absent. Anyway, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Ugh. So Jesus is coming, but is it good news? And who's it good news for? He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. A refiner's fire and fuller's soap. He will sit at a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like silver and gold until the present offerings, plural, to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering, singular, of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord in the days of old as in the former years. So Micah is talking about something that is going to happen. It doesn't actually happen until hundreds of years later when John the Baptist is born and then Jesus is born. But he says this is to fulfill the days of old, the former years, the promise to Abraham that he would have a nation and the promise to David that his descendant would sit on the throne. Like those are thousands of years apart. And here this prophet is like, God's getting ready to do something, and he does in about 600 years. And it's going to fulfill something that we've been waiting on, right? We've been waiting on it for hundreds of years since the time of David and hundreds and hundreds of years since the time of, of Abraham. So <clears throat> when you hear that the coming of the Lord is tense, is, I don't know, it sounds potentially dangerous, as though you could be troubled about it. I think it's important to remember who it is that's coming. Because the one that's coming is the one who created all things. The one who is coming is the one who loves you so much that he sent his son, and his son was so faithful to his father and so loving of us that he died on a cross. Like, that's the one we're talking about. So his coming is not going to be one of, of destruction to people or places. Even, even the fire language, when fire is used to refine gold and silver, that's making it better. That's not making it worse. Now, the refiner's fire is an image, I guess, that's somewhat, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, strong, right? I don't know that I want to go through the fire. Thank you very much. But then it says he's like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. So I th think that's, that obviously deals not with the level of intensity, but rather the level of, of the material that's being cleaned, right? The way you clean precious metals, silver and gold, is by putting them in the fire. If you put your clothes in the fire, they'd burn them up, right? You can't clean clothes with fire. But you can clean clothes with soap. It's a softer, kind of gentler approach because the object of your cleansing couldn't withstand the intensity of your cleansing method. And I think we are all, all of us, both, 
I think we are both gold and silver and we are cloth, right? We need the, the strong hand of the Lord to correct us, to refine us, right? There's some things that aren't going to get off of me unless the Lord breaks them off, right? Give me that. But there are other parts of me that could be damaged. And our God is not a damager. Our God will come with soap and clean you on those soft places where you need the Lord to be soft. And I love that. And I think, I think that's exactly what's going on in this song. I love this song. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. So for a long, long time, right, from Abraham to David, from David to Micah, from Micah down to Zechariah, who then, you know, sang the song about his newborn son, John, who then grew up to be the, the mouthpiece of the Lord, the one who would go and prepare the way, right? That's John's role. So all that time, long lay the world. And I take sin and error there to be combining two different things, not to be kind of just a repetition of the same thing. Like I don't think it's long lay the world in sin and another word for sin is error. Because that's not what happens in the next line of the song. Till he appeared and we realized it was something else, right? The soul felt his worth. Long lay the world in sin, and we know what that is. We know like the, the power of sin to, to corrupt and to destroy and to kill and to, to do wrong. And, and the world did lay in that, longing, waiting for a long time. But the error I take to be the error of misunderstanding who it is that's coming. It's the same error that the folks made in the wisdom of Solomon, that they thought the righteous one, when they had to face him, was going to kill them. And there was an unexpected salvation. It's like in the gift of the Magi. We thought we've given everything, and then we realized the greatest gift is neither a gold chain nor uh, combs for your hair. The greatest gift is the love of the self, the sacrificial love that, that she had for him and that he had for her. That's the greatest gift. And in sin and error, again, I take to be our expectation of a God who's coming that's not at all like the one who has come. What is revealed in Jesus Christ is who God truly is. And I think the song captures it with that line, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Meaning when Jesus came, we realized who we really are. Right? When Jesus appears, it's not the end of us. It's the beginning of us. It's us finding out who we truly are. I mean, that's the fuller soap approach, right? It doesn't come as an adult, as a king, as a general to destroy. 
He comes as a baby, as innocent, as gentle, as powerless as you could possibly be. A newborn infant. What can a newborn infant do? I mean, they can cry, I guess, and eat and sleep and poop, <laughs> right? You knew it was there, so I went ahead and told you. <clears throat> but there's none of, none of that is refining, right? That's not what the baby is. The baby is the soft and gentle revelation that God's long-awaited promise is being uh, fulfilled. And that's what we have our hope in. Hope is simply faith in the future tense, to trust. And our hope is not subjective. Our hope is objective. The object of our hope is the faithfulness of our God. That's why our hope will be realized, because it's not based on us. It's based on God being faithful. And God might be slow, but God always comes through. And that's the story of Advent. We're going we're gonna to hear this song. We're going to hear it today, and we're going to hear it every day, every Sunday, that is, between now and Epiphany. Because I, I want you, to, I want you to, to embody, if we can, a thrill of hope until it's time to embody the weary world rejoicing. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.